You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ernie Harwell used to speak about baseball as the voice of the turtle. The NFL, by comparison, is a cheetah barreling down a scorching hot savanna. We are close to the end of the season already. Football is almost over before it begins because we are running 100 miles an hour. Football is here and then it is gone. And in that moment, there is sound, fury, and frenzy. Does it signify anything? I don't know. Not yet, at least. But you know what? We revel in it. We go for it because it's football, because it's bleeping effing football in Detroit right now. It's scorching hot. Let's go. The fall hasn't started yet, but the hoodies are on. The hoodies are on. The hoodies are on. We are on the road to take down Philadelphia and a bunch of little stinky little birds. I don't care. I don't care. This is we're going to get fired up again. I don't care what they say. I don't care about Jalen Hurts. I don't care about any of it. The Kool-Aid is on. We brewed it up. We put way too much alcohol into it. The season's a cheetah. Welcome to the preview podcast for the 2022 NFL season for your Detroit Lions. Pride of Detroit, POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, pride of Detroit on Twitter, pride of Detroit on Facebook. We made it. We made it. Here live on twitch.tv slash pride Detroit POD cast available on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Speaker, Spreaker, iHeartRadio. If you've been with us for seven years, well, seven years now in about six days, thank you. You've been here the longest. You've been only here with us since we started on Twitch. Thank you. If you joined us last year, thank you. If you're new this year, thank you. Welcome to the ride. It begins now. Breaks are cut. There are no breaks. Wild card. <laughs> Let's get to the crew because we have a lot to get to on our big ass preview podcast. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host, multimedia editor for Pride of Detroit. With me as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader, editor in chief at Pride of Detroit and at Detroit Online. Jeremy, football. Man, uh, you got me fired up a little bit, Chris. I did it again. again. Oops, you did it again. Uh, Should have been wearing the luchador mask, I think, for that one. But but yeah, I didn't think I could be more fired up because it is finally game week. And I I feel like this is one of the most anticipated seasons in in a very, very long time. And that's kind of crazy to think considering it wasn't that long ago this team was 11 and 5. But I'm I'm feeling excited, man. I saw the rails. I'm not wearing luchador mask. It's 110 here in California. And finally, the man who I know is ready for football, Ryan Matthews. At Ryan underscore POD, senior editor. Ryan, I just got one question for you. Football. There was a lot of Gus Johnson in your voice just a second ago when you said football. Oh! (laughs) Stokely, down the (laughs) sideline! I could probably do a good Gus Johnson. It's like Probably. a solid. It's like a. It's like a seven and a half out of ten. I haven't. I haven't prepped at all. I haven't. Right. Prepped at all. I mean, give me, give me some firing, time. That's firing from the hip. I mean, a C is awesome. I'm so happy we're here, guys. I'm so happy <laughs> we are here. I'm so happy that we've been doing this now. As I said, September 10th will represent our seventh year running on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. We started in 2015, right before the season, and here we are. It is 2022. The season is looking down upon us and it is saying it's go time. 
this is we put all the campus stuff aside we put the mock drafts aside we put the draft talk aside we put otas aside we put that all aside and here we are we have at least 17 games of lions football damn straight and and we're going to kick things off here the only way that i think lions fans want to hear right now because the kool-aid the kool-aid we are we are going to start off the first segment here just chugging all the Kool-Aid we possibly can. We might, we might a little bit later, knock us down to reality a little bit. And then I'm, I'm excited about the last segment too, because we are going to talk predictions. So you guys are going to have to stick around to the end for that part. But, but yeah, who wants I to kick a off bit, the Kool-Aid I, I, segment? I was going to say, I stole a little soapbox to start, but once we get back to the end of the podcast, everyone gets their soapbox at the end to rally yeah. the troops, That's make right. their predictions. Uh, yes. So let's start in the Kool-Aid. I, I don't want to take, I just did, uh, I need to rest my, my cords for a second. So I, Jeremy, Ryan, whichever one of you wants to start on reasons for optimism, let's we're, we're dividing it between optimism and pessimism. As we look down here, if you checked out our 53 man roster, we dropped it over the weekend. Let's talk though about optimism for the season. Well, Ryan, I'm I'm Mr. Wet Blanket over here, so I, I need you to kick things off with the optimism. Yeah, I, I think that there's an easy reason that staring everybody in the face as to why you should be optimistic for the Detroit Lions this season, and it's because there very well might be a pass rush in Detroit. There very well may be two dudes who can get into the backfield and cause some havoc on just about any given play doesn't matter if it's first or second down and it's Charles Harris out on the edge. doesn't matter if it's Aiden Hutchinson kicking inside as a three tech and, and, you know, jet rain some push from the middle to hopefully free up another guy who, who's coming through because I know this team isn't going to be afraid so much to, to blitz. I, I think that they're going to be a team that's going to want to get after the quarterback because they do have the luxury of having a couple of guys specifically Charles Harris and Aiden Hutchinson. That's going to generate a pass rush. And, Chris and I have joked about it for years and years and years. We've talked about pass rushers blue in the face, man. Literally I mean, since the first podcast. I mean, it it was just a year after year. It, it was names that were that were there but gone. You know, it, it, Harold Landry. It was, you know, all these guys that the Lions could have taken a chance on. And finally, they did this year. And I think they got it right. And I think that there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about not just who Aiden Hutchinson is as a football player in his rookie season, but the dynamic and the dimension that he's going to bring to the team when we know that pass rush is king in the NFL. Yeah. And I mean, finally they have more than one option, right? That's, that's the keys. Like we had Ziggy for, for a while and he was, he was good. We had Romeo Quara. He was pretty good for Hell, for a year. Charles Harris was really good last year, right? Right. But now, now, now the lines are going to have guys that are going to have one-on-ones and we know that they're capable of winning their one-on-ones. And that to me is what's so key about the pass rush this year. And I wish the interior defensive line was a little stronger. I wish they were a little bit healthier because that would help out too. But Ali McNeil is a dude. Michael Brockers is, I don't think Michael Brockers is going to have a big year, but he knows how to play this game and he knows how to, to win one-on-ones when he has to. So I'm with you. I, I think I think that's a huge, huge reason for optimism, and uh, you know, especially where you need one on that defensive side of the ball because that was the weakest last year and probably still the weakest unit uh, this year. You mentioned Ezekiel Ansia. Say he's good. He was he was he was okay. Charles Harris was good for a little bit, as you said. Romeo Aquara good for a little bit. The thing with the thing with Hutchinson is, and I feel like sometimes we have kind of we keep forgetting Hutchinson is there because. Malcolm Rodriguez stole all the preseason hype. He stole all the training camp hype. Everyone was very excited on draft night for the surprise get of Jamison Williams. And everyone likes a good, uh, you know, wide receiver. There's a lot of good stories deeper into the draft the Lions had that we just all kind of forgot. Hey, Aiden Hutchinson is right here. And the potential for Aiden Hutchinson is it's not just that he could be good, but he's got the pedigree that he could be elite at some point. I think he'll be unpolished. For his rookie year, I think he will play with a violence that will get him. Sometimes he'll overshoot sometimes, but it'll be fun to watch. And it will be some something that pe- that teams have to game plan for, 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 for a guy who's a rookie. Because again, they've got to worry about that missile coming off their edge. While at the same time, they've got to have Okwara 
or or Charles Harris to worry about on the other side. Maybe even Austin Bryant sometimes. Well, yeah, like, and that, that that's the point too. Is like it's not a bad bench of of guys right now. Like Austin Bryant had a really good preseason. I, I still question whether that's going to translate to the regular season. But Julian O'Quara is a guy. We we unfortunately we haven't really seen him in a month due to injury, but it sounds like he's at least tracking towards potentially being ready for week one. And then once the rest of the crew gets healthy, I mean, we're talking about Josh Pascal, a, a guy who who can kick it inside and, and maybe bring some of that interior pass rush. We're talking about Romeo Aquara, a guy who is going to be chomping at the bit to be out there. And when he was out there, he's, he fits exactly what this Lions team is going to do. So again, it's it's depth. It's having more than one guy that can win. And when you do that, you 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 put a lot, put a heck of a lot of pressure on the opposing offensive line. Let's talk about one more element of the team that I'm very excited for, and I think Ryan, uh, I'll, I'll kick this ball right over to you to start. Let's compare the wide receiver room this year versus last year, <laughs> where Khalif Raymond, who is still on the roster and he's still fine, he was probably the top option out of the gate there because of what happened with Quintez Cephas. Now suddenly Amon Ross St. Brown gets a second year. Suddenly Jared Goff looks more comfortable with a lot of these receivers. Suddenly DJ Sharks on the roster. Suddenly this offense looks very dynamic for its skill positions and for its offensive line. Yeah, I and and I don't here's the thing. I think that the same thing with the pass rush can be said about the wide receivers in that the pass rush looks promising now but it can grow so much if guys like Pascal get healthy, if we do see Romeo Okora this year. Um, so there's this element of like, man, it can be even greater if like the Lions, you know, come up aces on some of these things. When it comes to wide receivers, Jameson Williams is waiting in the wings. Like, as you mentioned, Chris, Khalif Raymond, now he's settled into a more comfortable spot for what his skill set you know, can provide, he's not going to be counted on to be the number one guy outside the numbers. Like they can, they can use Khalif Raymond, like the kind of gadget player that a, a team who is in the right spot to have those guys in their depth chart. Like that's who Khalif Raymond is. So like, I, I totally agree. I, I think if there, if there was one thing that I'm so optimistic about, it's, it's the pass catchers in Detroit. Um, and I mean, I, I think it's totally fair to just lump in TJ Hawkinson in, in with that group too, because the weapons are just a plenty, Jeremy. Like we, 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 we don't want to say that Jared Goff maybe has every piece that he had as he did when he was with the Rams and had a career season. Um, but I mean, what? like Brad Holmes has done his darndest, right. To, to, to fill, to fill things out around Jared Goff. For sure. And I thought, I think you, bring up a really good point pointing to Khalif Raymond as, a, as the example here, because it feels like last year, the pl- the plan was just like, we're going to fit. We're going to see how versatile ever, like not, not just wide receivers, everyone. We had corners playing safety, safeties playing corners, nickels playing outside. Like the lions had to scramble because of injuries, because of just a lack of depth. Now they have finally have guys playing in the positions that they should be playing in. They have two outside receivers who are speedy. They have, Amon Ra that's that's going to be in the nickel most of the, or in the slot most of the time while they have Khalif Raymond as a backup who can do all those things Quintez Cephas a guy who can do all of those things um in in terms of just the the depth I think wide receiver again just so much more filled out than it was last year and and with with people in the right places and I think that's the most important part and and listen they're going to be interchangeable we'll, we'll see you know, Chark in, in the slot. Sometimes we'll see Josh Reynolds, like Josh Reynolds, again, a guy we, we haven't really talked that much about. And one that I think we need to like pay a little bit more attention to, not just because he was part of the reason that the, the offense opened up last year, but I heard Dan Campbell on, on a zoom with some season ticket holders said, who was the most improved person this off season? Josh freaking Reynolds. He's, he's a guy that I, I think people are sleeping on. And I know he's probably the first one to the bench, once JMO comes back, and I know we're all eager for JMO to come back, but don't sleep on Josh Reynolds being a big factor early on in the season. Let me tell you another fact that is going to be great early on in the season, too. I think the schedule is favorable to the Detroit Lions. The Lions pulled the NFC East. They've pulled the Seattle Seahawks. They're, we, we talked about this in the schedule release. We, we feel like their toughest games probably going to come on Thanksgiving against the Bills. And after the bye with the Dallas Cowboys, and to be honest, a lot of people are starting to sell in the Cowboys for the season too. 
like maybe more people buying on the Patriots than the Cowboys. But even then, I can't help but laugh at what's happening. With uh, yeah, exactly. Patri- I, yeah, I don't think the, I, that Patriots <laughs> game looks a lot more winnable than it did a month. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. Especially Matt Patricia is still splitting time with Joe Judge in some god effing timeshare. Like suddenly, this schedule looks favorable to the Lions. I, 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 I am, I am struggling to bring my feet back down to the earth, especially when we had to do our win, our win totals for the yeah. season. But man, you get to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's, it's tough out of the gate. That's not it's, an easy team. But after that, Commanders, come on, the Vikings. Okay, they could be a little tough. But then Seahawks, Patriots, a bye, Cowboys, Dolphins. Who knows what they are. Like you'll get the Giants and the Jaguars later in the year. You'll get the Jets and the Panthers. Like I Ryan, I feel like this schedule, there's not a lot of like, there's usually a strength of uh, spot every year in the NFL schedule for the Lions where it's like, oh my God, that stretch is brutal. Or oh my God, the bye is too early. There's nothing really out of place or unfavorable in the schedule right now for the Detroit Lions in my book. No, I and that gives me a huge amount of optimism. It, it should. And I, I think that it's just kind of trended in that way too, though. Right. Like I, you know, e- even the odds, I think, I think the odds opened up with the, with the Eagles being bigger favorites than they are now. Like I know that was one of the things that we even talked about, about the schedule as a whole, like the lions, the odds came out and like, they were, they were underdogs in like just about every single game that they were playing, whether they were home or away. And it, I don't know, like, but where I, we, we've talked about these these things as as things of optimism and things to be optimistic about, but like it's just so weird where this energy is coming from. Like, what is it? Hard knocks? Like, is 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 that is that pumping into it? Is the fact that this team looks just so far, you know, head and shoulders above where they were a year ago, Jeremy? Like, yeah. I mean, you you were there at training camp last season, and, and you saw what the offense like was able to do. I like probably more aptly described as the few things that they could maybe stumble into achieving. Like it was bad. It was terrible. Like Rashad Perryman was going to be a starting wide receiver. And now he's, you know, he's not going to be on this football team. Like, I don't know. I, I just think like, it, here's, it's just strange to think about where all of this energy and optimism is coming from. I, I think, I think hard knocks has a little bit to do with it, but I think, I mean, we had national people talking about the Detroit Lions before, before that even started, yeah. right? Like Mina Kimes started the, the, the hype train. And I think Dan Campbell plays a big part of that. Like he's, he's a great raw, raw guy, but, but there's legitimate reasons too, right? Like the, the fact that they, they went heavy on defense in this draft and, and the lines are going to get at least one or two guys that are going to contribute right away on that side of the ball. They they've invested in youth everywhere so they're expecting a guy like Jeff Okuda another guy that who we're kind of high on right now after a good training camp performance and Garrick Barnes is another one that we're kind of high on and we're hoping if Atu Milifanu gets gets healthy and, and maybe he adds something to the safety position it's just it's this is what happens when you build young right is that suddenly you're, you're expecting your guys to get better when you have a coaching staff right now that seems to be doing everything right. Those young players progress anymore, even more. So it's just when you have a, a youthful roster and this is either the, the youngest or the second youngest, depending on what measure you use. Yeah. That hope that's young people, young players equals hope. And I think that's kind of driving the machine here right now. They, they, I agree with you, but like they were a young team last year too. You know right. what I mean? Sure. It, it, it just feels like it feels like there's going to be a step that's going to be taken. Yeah. So, you're, so you're and too, I, right? and yeah, and I know that's we're all going to do predictions later and it's just going to be so interesting to hear, I think your guys's perspective against mine and like, well, how big of a step it's going to, is it going to be? That's and the I, question. that's, that's the question, right? Yeah. I mean, before, before we get into anything else, um, we, we have to talk about the offensive line, right? Like I know we talked a little bit about the offense, but the offensive line is really, I think like, I'd have to throw it back to car talk because I don't the the engine that that stirs the motor. The car. I don't the know mo- <laughs> stirs the car. Stirs the drink. That that is that is a bad car. that is a bad thing to uh, to be stirred. But I'm, I almost yeah, I'm feel like the it. offensive line is without is doesn't even need to be mentioned at this point because man, like that's been a strength for a minute. But now we get to see all five of these guys starting at the same time. Jonah Jackson, we, we gotta Levant. we gotta cross know, our fingers and I'm knock pounding. on wood because this, this is why point, I didn't want to talk about it. This we is why I saying, didn't want to talk about it. At this point last year, it looked like all five were going to start to begin the season, and then in the middle of practice of week one, 
Taylor Decker hurts his hand. So fingers crossed, seven more days, wrap those guys in bubble wrap. We're going to finally see these guys in the regular season. All right. One more point for optimism from any of you guys. What else you got? Well, I, if I can just follow up a little bit about the offensive line, like I, I, I feel very confident about like, the Lions interior offensive line making a huge improvement for the run game. Like I I think that there's a legitimate reason to think that Deuce Staley can get the most out of this running back group. And I, I really think that the Lions are gonna be able to to kick it back to car talk, right? They're gonna establish it, man. I think that they're gonna establish the run. Like it's part of their identity, but it's also here's the thing. Last year it was part of their identity they wanted to run the ball because it was dan campbell and it was hard nosed and it was going to be you know we're going to impose our will on you but now it feels like the personnel is going to match it like it now it feels like the personnel's frank it, frank's healthy jonah like i i, I feel like I feel like Vitae is just a road grader. Like that's just what he's going to do. And they're going to play to the strengths of those guys. Like, yes, I can't wait to see DeAndre Swift out in space when Panay Sewell is out there blocking like a 330 pound tight end. Like it's, it's insane. Um, And I think, you know, I, I just think that that's where the lions can make one of their biggest improvements from last year to this year is being able to run the football and, and to control the clock a little bit. And they have the personnel to do it now. And I think it's going to matter in the passing game just as much because when Taylor Decker came back halfway through the season, like I feel like that gets lost in all the reasons the offense turned around because Dan Campbell took over play calling and Josh Reynolds came back. I think Taylor Decker giving Jared Goff more time was huge. And so if we can get a full season out of him and Panay Sewell, who let's not kid ourselves, like he's going to be even better this year. And pass protection was maybe his weak point. He's going to be a lot better in that this year. And so having two rock solid tackles is going to do wonders for this passing game. If, if, if this offense is finally going to open up the deep ball, like we've been promised and, and we've seen some flashes of in training camp and we didn't, they, they were better last year, but we didn't really see this truly be an explosive down the field offense last year at all. If it is, you need good tackle play and the lions have it for the first time, hopefully for an entire season this year. Yeah. I'm excited. Now let's throw some water on that fire. When we've come right back on the Pride of Detroit POT cast, everything we just said, it is time to inflect the other side of Pride of Detroit. I mean, the other side of Lions fandom on you. That's right. We did all the Kool-Aid. Now it's time for the SOL. I know Jeremy hates Don't that Don't call word, it that. I, I, okay. Well, we've got a fire burning right now. I'm going to douse it with waters, with water. Everything we got. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POT cast. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We got through a lot of optimism. We got through a lot of Kool-Aid. I loved it. I loved all of it. Here's where we make you hate us. Here's where we tell you why the Lions are going to suck and they're going to suck badly. Here's where we let out all our terrors, our fears, our demons, and just melt. And I feel like I have to go to the fearless leader who that name is a lie for him. He has many, many fears. He's got the shirt, no fears. And then you show him the Detroit Lions. He's like, I've got a lot of fears, actually. I do. And uh, I mean, it's got to start in the secondary this year. It's a passing league and the Lions defense, specifically their secondary. I'm afraid of it. There's there's a lot to figure out there. And, and I'm just talking about the starters, right? Like Jeff Okuda, what is he going to look like? Amani Oruwarie, can he be a, a legit number one? Can he, you know, continue kind of the momentum towards a, the, the last part of the season and, and build towards being someone that, that could be 
a legit like high end starter, whether it's high end number two or high end number one, I don't know. Um, and then at safety, I, I think you can feel pretty safe about Tracy Walker, feel pretty good about say, Tracy Walker, but Deshaun Elliott is a guy who hasn't been able to do it for, for a full year. And so right off the bat, I, I have big question marks out of three of the four starters in the secondary. And, and that's not even including nickel because that, that is also a question, right? Like I don't even know where the lines are going to land there. And so I just, I just don't know how that all is going to play out. There, there, there hasn't been enough good play by that group for me to feel confident about it. And I know the pass rush can, can maybe hide some of that stuff, but what they can't do is hide it forever. And at some point, this secondary is going to get challenged. Um, at some point, the lines are going to be in a situation like they were in last last year several times where they just need one more stop and the opposing team is going to be passing the ball all the time. And I just don't know if the Lions can get that stop right now with the guys. And I'm, I'm hopeful for some of them, but for a lot of them, they have a lot of questions to answer. And when you have that many questions to to answer, you're you're not going to get all yeses. You're, you're not going to get all positive answers. Some Some of those guys aren't going to live up to your hopes. And that to me is going to be the biggest downfall of this team. I, I think to that point, Jeremy, because there is that cause for concern with the <clears throat> with the secondary, because it's just been a position that's been in flux. I think a lot of people feel this way ever since Darius Slay was was shipped off. You know what I mean? Like it seemed like Darius left and Quandre left, and then Glover Quinn. I mean, just you know, it, the the remnants of those of those teams of, you know, 2014 and 2015 and 2016, like just said shipped off and, and, and they'd gone to other places and in came youth, but like, that's where the lions still are. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, the, the they're hoary veteran, the hoary veteran of this team is Alex Anzalone. Yeah. I, at the linebacker, but like, even just like, you know, in, in the well, secondary, over, yeah. Yeah. In the secondary, like who is that guy? Like, the the guy is Tracy Walker, right, Jeremy? Yeah. Like, yeah, he's the, he's the quote unquote de facto leader. But I mean, it's just a, a, I think we talked about this when we were talking about when we were breaking down the fifty three. But like, there's question marks at in in the areas of depth, and then there's question marks about like, is Amani Orarie like is he is he a top thirty two cornerback? Can he can he can he play up to that? Is Jeff Okuda what? What do, what can we even expect of Jeff Okuda, right? Like, so I I think because there is so much of that uncertainty, I guess to borrow some Dan Campbell, like out into the blackness of, of the sea of unknowns, is the Lions secondary. So I, I'm the, right there with you. And the depth isn't there either, right? Like, yeah, right. We're I mean, talking about yeah. Uh, who who's even the, the backup outside cornerbacks right now? It's, it's Will Harris and. Bobby, Bobby Price? Price, yeah. Like, uh, if if either of those guys has to play, how can you feel confident about that at all? Yeah, not happy about it. Not not. I mean, we thought AJ Park would make the team, and he's an undrafted free agent from you know from not long ago. So he doesn't. But at some point, I expect to see him play. Maybe I don't know. Um, I don't think Jared Goff is going to be that guy. I just don't. I hate to dog him. I hope he I hope he has improved. I've seen his floor. And I am a big believer of I don't care if you don't have that high of a ceiling, but if your floor is low, I don't trust you. We can have I I like I, I can I don't mind high floor, low ceiling quarterbacks in the NFL because at the very least I know you won't screw up a game. Jared Goff has shown the floor before. I understand we're all kind of expecting him to pick up where he left off back in January. And I know he's looked good and comfortable in the season, but that's the, the comfort is the point where I start to get worried because if everything has to be very comfortable for him, what's going to happen when a def a, a defense makes him uncomfortable in game. If they get past, you know, this offensive line at any point, they could screw up for the entire game or B if injuries start to pile up on that offensive line, like, or, or he loses some top receivers or he loses swift. Like I don't, I don't like the chances with Jared Goff and it's, it doesn't spell well for the organization. I feel like to have a continued 
confidence in Jared Goff. I really think this year has to be very transactional, that he has to play out of his mind this year to have any kind of future consideration for Jared Goff. But at the same time, I think Ryan said it before, like we, you, the Lions have almost got pushed into a corner where if Goff doesn't work out for you, you kind of have to take a quarterback this year. And you're just sitting here hoping that maybe you're around and you can get the truth and it's Anthony Richardson or something. But Jared Goff himself is a big reason for me to be very pessimistic. I look at this offense, I see a lot of talent, a lot of young talent, and I see Jared Goff. And I'm not going to get into our car talk because I don't know what the what the thing is, but the steering wheel is bad. I, I like how you you dropped in Anthony Richardson. I, this Dude, is going to become gonna, a, you, this know, is you know how Ryan felt theme. about Malik Willis felt last year. I'm I'm feeling yes. that way right now about Anthony Richardson out of Florida. <laughs> but yeah, I, you just I, you dropped the seed, and now it will continue to grow as the season I goes know. on. But um, yeah, no, I, I I think Jared Goff is definitely a a reason to at least question the ceiling of this team this year. Because while while everything has been great in training camp, there's also been one factor that he hasn't had to deal with at all yet. Pressure. Getting hit. Getting hit. Getting hit. You you don't you don't you there the live bullets aren't out there in, in practice and you only had I mean he, only, he was only out there for one drive in the preseason and he, he was kept pretty darn clean. And if there's one thing we know about Jared Goff, it's that once the pressure comes, like you said, he's a mistake prone kind of guy who can make errors, he can fumble the ball, he can throw it in, in into coverage. He, he can't seem to escape pressure per, per, particularly well. And so I know we all love this offensive line, but like Chris said, Jared Goff is not going to be in this comfy cocoon the entire season. Pressure is eventually going to come. Um, receivers are, 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 are maybe get injured. Like, like you said, it's just, it's not going to be a perfect situation for all 17 games. So can Jared Goff be a more consistent guy that that avoids the mistakes. I mean, that's that's what this team is going to need the most because we have all these questions about the defense. The offense is going to have to carry the team, and the, the the quickest way to not carry a team is to turn the ball over. And Jared Goff has had a turnover problem for the past two three years, and so hopefully once the, the live bolts are coming and and the pressure is coming every now and then, he he can step up to the occasion. But it it remains maybe the biggest unanswered question with him right now. I, I want to I want to take this a bridge further. And I think the the reason that I've come up with for pessimism on the offensive side of the ball is Ben Johnson. And here's why. We all fell in love with Jim Bob Cooter before. <laughs> we, all, we all we all fell in love with the position coach who who was you know the secret sauce behind the offense and then he was given the the key the keys to the kingdom. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, 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 it's unfair to say that Ben Johnson is Jim Bob Cooter, but the situations are eerily reminiscent of one another. Ben Johnson has been this, you know, guy behind the scenes, drawn up plays. He's the reason why the Lions offense uh, shifted into second gear um, after, after the bye week. Now, there's always just this trepidation that comes with first-time coordinator. First-time coordinator, first-time calling plays. Like, it. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility for a guy. Yeah. And there's an awful lot of trust. So, so two things I'm trusting. First-time offensive coordinator calling plays in Ben Johnson. Jared Goff having everything perfect around him at all times. What if things start being not perfect for Ben Johnson? Like, yeah, sure, the Lions have depth along the interior of their offensive line, but could they stand to lose either Taylor Decker or Penesul for any significant stretch of time? And all of a sudden that becomes Matt Nelson? Ben Johnson, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Because I think to your point, Jeremy, like you brought up a great point that I think a lot of people forgot that Taylor Decker didn't play the first half of the season and then came back and then all of a sudden the Lions offense looked a lot better. It was probably because a lot of people were in comments saying silly, dumb stuff like, oh, the Lions should trade Taylor Decker. <laughs> and those were the same guys who are like, well, why does their offense suck? And then Taylor Decker comes back and it's like, oh, you know, it looks so good. Golf, golf. It's like, dude, the Lions, they, they're on this tightrope and on, on offense. And I, I think it's to Chris's point, the, and I think it's to your point, Jeremy, it's the tightrope that they're walking with Jared Goff. But at the same time, the guy who's radio in at the bottom, 
I, I he can't, hasn't done it before. Here's the thing. I can't get that end of half draw play in the red zone play in, in the preseason where he almost ran out the clock. That that it, it's one of those things that just like sits in the back of your head or is just like it feels like it shouldn't matter though, right? It, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't at all. But it's just one of the, it's 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 one of those tiny red flags that I'm never gonna forget. And if anything like it ever happens, again, I'm gonna be like, see, we knew it from the beginning. He was a fraud. No, but like, but no, I I also think like this city has a reputation of falling in love with offensive coordinators before quickly falling out of love with them. Like Scott Scott Linehan was the exact same way. Scott Linehan. My, so, and, and, hey, hey, uh, I mean, other coordinators, too. I know he's not offense, but Terrell Austin, too. Terrell Austin's good, though. I I, yeah, I remain is. I remain that Terrell Austin is good. And some people still think he's in Detroit um, when they're talking about the Lions on a national stage. But we won't point fingers. Um, anyways, uh, anyone else got another reason for pessimism? I'm, I'm sure there's more out there. I mean, could I just say Joe Lombardi, too? But... <laughs> Oh, okay, God. sure. <laughs> I just wanted to add to the the offensive coordinator guru that worse and worse and worse. Yeah. His, his honeymoon was probably the shortest of them. Woo! About seven games long. <laughs> Maybe. I still remember Ryan and I mean, uh, Alex in 2015 writing the column. I apologize to Scott Linnan. <laughs> right. That that was a whole bell curve, right? Like an inverted bell curve. Everyone was really optimistic about him. Then not so much and then like after he left and was kind of okay with the Cowboys like oh shoot it was it was it was, it was partially because he was good with the Cowboys partially because it was was it Linehan next or um, um Lombardi remember, next man. I think so it was Lombardi and everyone was like oh Linehan was actually yeah, good yeah. um do we do we want to talk about the linebackers or are are the linebackers in in kind of this purgatory where it's just like Part of us wants to be really optimistic about him. Part of us is also like, we should know better. But we also really want to be really optimistic about a rookie. Right. I think Kelvin Shepard, I I think Kelvin Shepard's words hold a lot of weight in that. Like, I haven't seen anyone do anything like this in, in like, what was it? Four years, five years. And he's a rookie. I think that's less, again, that didn't sound a lot like a lot like praise to Rodrigo to me as much as it did. Like, oh, damn, the linebackers are bad. And have been bad for quite some time <laughs> since that, Le- DeAndre Levy. Since DeAndre Levy, before he took his trip down to Chile. But that, I mean, that's kind of like the the whole push and pull of like at the the summer of Rodriguez, right? Is like, is is he actually earning all of this praise, or is everyone else just not stepping up? And I I think from the most part, I think we need to give Rodriguez credit, but it also bears wondering, like, okay, but how, like we're still facing Alex Anzalone starting, right? Like we, that, that still exists. That's He's still going to start and play. I would imagine like a hundred percent of the snaps for at least the first half of the season. Maybe eventually it becomes Barnes and, and Rodriguez, but they're relying on Alex Anzalone to improve a lot. And I'm, I'm not buying that yet. Yeah. I, I, part of this, I think does have to do with your expectations for the group too. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I feel like if your expectations are aligned for all the reasons that you just said, like it's, it's a rookie, it's a second year guy that you're counting on. It's a guy who's often injured in Alex Anzalone. Like, I mean, you're just hoping that some of the guys like can fill in and not be absolute sieves. You know, you're, you're hoping that Chris board can step in in a pinch. Uh, you're, you're hoping that, you know, that, that you get some, some play from, from the young guys, but I I guess that's kind of the, the, the double-edged sword of what you said for the reasons for optimism is also kind of the reason for pessimism is the lions are still such an incredibly young team. Yeah. They are such an incredibly young team that, you know, while that provides reason for optimism because they are young and this is a rebuild and, and it's all that stuff. Like this is where the rebuild becomes very real. Like year two is the training wheels are off and expectations are just increased across the board. So I I think that having such a young team, you really hope, I mean, it's the coaching staff, right? The coaching staff has to, has to be on it when it comes to, when it comes to the linebackers, when it comes to, you know, the secondary that's so young, like, yeah, I, I, I think the one other, I have one more reason for pessimism. Hit it. And and, and it's on defense and it's specifically injuries. Like I'm worried about how the injury bug could absolutely 
prevent any progress from happening like it did a year ago. Yeah. Losing Romeo Aquara last season, losing Jeff Okuda so early in the season, those were two of the Lions' top defensive players, probably one and two. And they were just gone. Season's lost. And Jeff Okuda is coming back from an Achilles injury. Like, this is normally a death sentence for players. And Romeo Aquara has an Achilles injury, and we haven't heard much from him. Josh Pascal is rehabbing from the surgery that he's had. Levi has this back problem that's lingering. There are a lot of young players that the Lions are really counting on to play really well that have injury concerns. Yeah. And and that Alex Anzalone, whether whether you care for the guy or you don't, he's the starting line linebacker of this team. Deshaun Elliott, like you mentioned, Jeremy, that's another starter, a guy who has a has a history of of injuries, being prone to injuries. And you guys both know my favorite saying, the greatest ability is availability. Availability. Yes. But to build on that, because we said it last year too, one of the biggest goals for this team has to be development of their young players. Like this isn't a team that's going to win playoff games this year. I'm sorry, all the Kool-Aid drinkers from the first segment, they're not going to win a playoff game this year. They're just, they're just not spoiler alert. That's, that's not going to be part of my predictions in the next segment. So the, the big goal should be making sure your young players get some playing time, they get their feet wet, and they improve. And yeah, last year we were robbed of that from a lot of players, and we're, we're just lined up to do that again. And and I know Jameson Williams, that was all part of the plan. There's no setback there, but you have to be extremely disappointed that Levi's going to start not playing in, in week one. You have to be disappointed that if Fatu Melifanu to throw on top of that list is not. Josh Pascal. all these guys aren't getting the develop they need. They didn't get the offseason that they need. That's not good. These rookie contracts don't last as long as you think. And so if, if you know, if Levi hits his stride in year four, well, great. We get him for one year and then what? Um, and so, yeah, all that. So that that's a really good point. The, the fact that so many guys are already injured is is rough. And, and the fact that there's some of the younger, more, more important players doesn't help either. Just so it gets worse into the season, man. It's always a triage. It's always a triage. <laughs> as, as as Dan Campbell said, that the the best you're going to feel is day one of training camp. Let's take another break here. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit PUD, because I think we're done with the pessimism, right? Defensive we, tackle, run game. I don't know. The, we, we the can, one thing I want oh, to throw actually, out there you know is what? I, I could defense. probably talk. Yeah, so yeah. Let's talk run game because if DeAndre Swift doesn't put it together, oh god. Well, no, I was saying run defense, but oh, but just like. I, I I so badly want to believe that these last two preseason games were like, okay, they figured it out on run defense, but part of me think like, I feel, again, I feel like I know better. I know Michael Brockers is, is past his prime. I know that the depth on the defensive interior is, is bare at this point, as much as we want to love Demetrius Taylor, or, um, you know, Isaiah bugs or, or, or the new nose tackle, like <laughs> it's bare there. And yeah. I, we're going to find out really soon when the Eagles come to town, whether this, this run defense can, can hold up, but I'm, I'm concerned about it. They are run heavy. That is what they do. Let's take a Atlanta, quick break. Atlanta game, Atlanta game, Atlanta game. stuck Atlanta into game. my game. Oh, God. Back in yeah. my head. Yeah. They, they ran the hell all over us. I don't know. We'll see. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do more speeches from the stump five minutes uninterrupted. Each of us is going to give predictions, thoughts, closing comments, everything else. And this thing will sit here in your brain pan until next Sunday. Thank you all as always. Third final segment of this week's POD cast coming up right next. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Do you want to read any reviews before we're done, Jeremy? Or should we just put that to the side and just cram nah, as much goodness? It is a mega podcast already. Mega. We'll save the reviews for next week. Mega. We did call an audible. We're not going to uh, do five minutes a piece. We're going to probably go a little more round table, Jeremy. You've got several, a bunch of predictions written down for us. And I guess we'll just uh, go around and just quickly get, we'll give our predictions, go a little rapid fire and, uh, yeah. Hello? 
focus. Oh, you're no, no, no. <laughs> oh, I just, I'm I doing it. Re- no, I was waiting for you to respond. I said you. Yes. So like, I'm not. Trust me, my my, my fantasy draft is done. You cannot blame that on me. I anymore. don't believe you. I still my see fantasy you draft is, Fantasy draft is done. You're not in my. You're not in my sleeper chat. You don't know that. I can see your eyes and your fingers, sir. What do you want us to start with, Jeremy? <laughs> the first one. All right. Well, just, oh, fine. I will lead it, and I will just go from the top. Where does Jared Goff finish compared to the other quarterbacks this season using any metric? I'm assuming you mean like other quarterbacks in the NFL? Correct. Okay. Okay. I'll start. Okay. I think Jared Goff will finish 14th in passer rating this year. Not going to be a top 10 quarterback. Going to have some some interceptions that, that drag that number down a little bit, but he will be a top half of the league quarterback. I think the, the the rankings that have him as like 27th, 28th are kind of ridiculous right now. 14th best quarterback by, by pass rating this year. I think that Jared Goff will have the... I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to say that he will be a top half of the league quarterback. So I'm going to say he's going to be top 16. And I'll go by the same metric. I'll go by by quarterback rating. I know you said 14, but like I feel like there just has to be a little bit of wiggle room. Like I almost wanted to go out on a limb and say that Jared Goff would have the second best quarterback rating in the NFC North, but I don't know if I can I don't know if I can take that away from Kirk Cousins, which seems really sad and I promise we're not continuing the pessimism <laughs> segment from last from last segment. I kind of am. I want to say 18. I'm going to just in bottom half. I'm not. Again, I, I worry about the pressure go, getting to him. I know he's not like QBR might be a little more generous to him because he'll he'll be careful with the football. But I, I don't know. Just do, do sacks get counted in there, Jeremy? For passer rating? No, no, no. For QBR. QBR is different. QB, QB, QBR has no formula to oh, the public, okay. so I have no idea. Fair enough. Either way, like I think Kirk Cousins will be better. I want to give Kirk Cousins some credit here. Um, I'm just not hopeful on Jared Goff. I'm not, but I'm not, I'm not saying like complete abject failure. He's still in the teens, just lower than top half. Fair. For I just, for I for yeah. for reference, I feel like we need to say last year Jared Goff was 17th. That's actually kind of surprisingly high. And that's in passer rating or QBR? That's in that's in passer rating. Hmm. Hmm. Now I now I almost want to bump myself up a little bit there. Because he I should think... be better, right? Like he's gonna be better. I would hope. I think some other quarterbacks will be better, but I don't know. I'm 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 holding on to my pessimism side from this. Let's move on very quickly to something else. DeAndre Swift over or under what 1300 total yards from scrimmage. For comparison, he had 1,069. Nice. Last year. I set this one, so this is tough. He he wants 1,000, 1,000. I'm, I'm pretty certain he's not going to get that. Not, not going to get 1,000 rushing yards, 1,000 passing yards. But I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. I think he's not, it's not going to be much. Look at you. But I, I do... I do kind of believe in the run game this year and they're going to have more opportunities to run the ball because the games are going to be closer. They're going to be more competitive. They're going to be able to run a little bit in the second half where they didn't much at all last year. And I, I think he'll, he'll also be a weapon out of the backfield. I, I think there's enough distractions around him on the outside that the middle of the field is going to be open. So if they, they sneak him out there a little bit, He's a weapon, man, and they, they're they talking up. I mean, we saw what Deuce Staley was saying about where he believes this guy's ceiling is. They think he is a legit weapon and one of the best running backs that Deuce Staley has ever coached. They're going to try to utilize him, and I think he's going to cross over that 1,300 threshold. Just rushing yards. I don't know what DeAndre Swift is going to do, but... 1300 seems very reasonable for total yardage. Yeah. I I really think it does. Like I'm not even so much concerned with it because I still think he's going to be utilized a lot in the passing game. Yeah. Like I I I I'm going to be really interested to see the target share. Um especially I mean I don't know if it's going to be crazy like it was a season ago just because 
it felt like it was just desperation out of Jared Goff and an offense that was flailing, but I'll, I'll take the over on this too. I kind of wanted, I, I'm going to take the over. I feel like there's not going to like, they, they definitely want to use him more last year and they could, they had to get away from it just because there were so many holes in the games. I feel like swift expanded role this year. And and I like I like the scrimmage yards too. I, I think that he can still be a p- good pass catching running back and all this. Stay healthy, Swift. Yeah, the the health is the big matter to it. All right, which wide receiver is going to lead the Lions in yards, and then separately, who's going to lead them in touchdowns? I'm going to make you go first, Ryan. Oh, not me, Chris. You want to go? Sun God, Sun God. For both. both. Yes. <laughs> oh, that, that was you just answering the question twice. <laughs> yes. It was. I, I, didn't, yes. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know if that was some kind of like Listen, I, tribal I, I, chant. or <laughs> It was, but it was also the answer twice. Listen, he might go over 100 receptions this year. I understand there's prob- Shark and probably J-Mo are probably going to be better long threats. If J-Mo comes back and J-Mo will be behind the eight ball, he's going to miss a lot of games here. I'm going on volume when it comes to Amon Ross St. Brown on his yardage. And I think he will be the go-to for the red zone. I think it'll be between him and Reynolds who are the most comfortable that, that, that Jared Goff is with. And of the two, I think Amon Ross St. Brown will see more usage. So I'm taking sun God in both yards and touchdowns. And it's not my USC homerism showing either. Hmm. I want to know if I can bend this question. It has to be a wide receiver. If you want to include Hawkinson in the touchdown conversation, I will allow it. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want Hawkinson to lead this team in touchdown receptions. I want to see him be, be the threat in the red zone. I want to see, I want Ben Johnson to get creative with him for yards. It's hard to go against Amon Ra just because of like Chris said, I think the volume, um, I mean, this is a guy who he still had 119 targets last year. I mean, yeah. he he got an awful lot of passes thrown his way, um, but he only caught 90 of them. So maybe if him and Jared Goff are a little bit more on the same page, I mean, yeah, I, I can see I can see him getting over a thousand yards this season. I, I think I'm with you in yardage, although part of me wants to be like you guys are all you're all sleeping on on Reynolds here. Josh Reynolds is going to be a bigger part of this offense than, than a lot of you guys think, but I can't, I can't, I can't get him. Over. I can't, I can't put him over. Amonra. I just can't sun God. Then take him for touchdowns coward. Josh Reynolds leads the lions in receiving touchdowns this year. Mark it down, clip it there. <laughs> no, no one even <laughs> mentioned poor DJ shark who could very well actually be the answer there. I, I think he might be the answer in yards. I think he big might place. be the answer in yards. Yeah. Big plays. Serpent uh, of death. That's right, Chet. That's right. TJ Hawkinson, since we just mentioned him, uh, this is kind of a prop bet here, I guess. Well, they're all prop bets, but will TJ Hawkinson get a new contract? It's a different question than should TJ Hawkinson get a new contract? It is. It, it very much so is. I think TJ Hawkinson wants to play this season out. I think he wants to play this season out and then he wants to have the chance to reset the market. I don't think right now Detroit wants to give him an offer that would make him a, I don't think they want to give him an offer that would make him a top three paid tight end. Cause he hasn't really proven it. He hasn't. And I think TJ Hawkinson is going to bet on himself, but the way contracts work also is sometimes you get paid to be a top three tight end, even though you aren't one, because that's just how the market works. You get paid if you're the next one, not necessarily the best one. I uh, and well, so hmm, I don't know. I don't know. Brad it's Holmes. Tough. Brad Holmes didn't take the bait on Kenny Holiday or Kenny Galladay. He didn't. You know what I mean, and he also didn't take the bait when he was asked whether he's going to negotiate in season. He, just, he he punted on the question. So that that makes this one kind of tough because we don't really have a precedent with him in terms of midseason. Uh, extensions, although I, I think we can extend this ca- this question to next offseason as well. And I don't know, man. I, I, I think I think he will. I think they will re-sign him. I think the Lions have have proven that they they want good players here. 
that they want homegrown talent. Hawkinson certainly seems a lot more happy here than he was in years past. He certainly seems like himself a little bit more than he was in years past. So I think they do re-sign him, but he might not get the deal that he's he's hoping for. I don't think they'll I don't think he'll get the deal here. I think he'll test that open market. And I don't know what the market really is for tight ends beyond here. Are there really that many teams that are like um, I but here's really... a, there aren't that many good tight ends. Like I'm sure yeah. you just found this out with your fantasy draft. There is a huge <laughs> drop off after like six or seven, right? No, there there absolutely is. Like you're you're starting to get like a second tier with the guys like Dallas Goddard, but Zach Ertz is old. But I, I'm more asking, I'm trying to remember I, I was less thinking about my fantasy thing as I was about what was the last big like free agent signing who was a tight end? Because I, I mean, maybe they, it was Zach Ertz. Maybe it was Zach Ertz. What was Zach Ertz traded? I forget either way. But Zach Ertz is old. It was traded, but I think with tight ends, you're seeing a lot of them get franchise tagged because mm-hmm. a lot of them are all they're they're tight ends, but they're like glorified slot receivers. Right. Like yeah, guys like Waller and, and M- Mike 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 Jacecki from the Dolphins. Um, right. I'm trying to think of David Joku from the Browns. Like these guys are like glorified wide receivers that are gallivanting as tight ends. So I don't know. That's why that's why they're getting franchise tagged. And it's a hell of a lot cheaper than going out and getting a wide receiver on the open market. That's true. So. So you change your answer to yes. Uh, I'm going to ask the question next. Who leads the Lions in sacks this season? Y'all know my answer. I've been I've been riding this train all off season. I think Charles Harris is in for a double digit sack season. I right, think I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate the same talking points I've been saying all off season. This dude had seven and a half sacks last year coming off the bench to start the season. Not to mention the fact that he saw more double teams than about 70, 75% of edge defenders last year. Aiden Hutchinson is going to open up a world of opportunities for him. And I, I think, I think we're talking like a, a 10, 12, 13 sack season for Charles Harris this year. I want to go Charles Harris too. I think the big thing, and I know he's kind of the sub question here, Ryan, is that you mentioned the double teams, Jeremy. I think that Aiden Hutchinson is going to draw a lot of those double teams this year. And I, I know that's not fair to put on a rookie to draw a bunch of double teams, but with how fast and explosive Hutch is off the line. I feel like teams will probably prioritize him and allow Charles Harris to go and clean up. Like that was always the thing with Indama and Sue and Dominic and Sue maybe didn't have the greatest numbers and sacks every year, but that's because he was commanding all the double teams and letting the rest of the line, you know, all the rest, the rest, the edge basically clean up. Ali McNeil. What? Shut up. Wow. No, you are doing crazy things. Wow. He'll, he'll have more opportunity, opportunities at the three tech. The, the only reason I'm saying this is because both of you, I didn't want to just keep on belaboring the point that I think Charles Harris is going to have a, he's going to stack another great season. On top of one. And the Spartan and you couldn't say Aiden Hutchinson. Basically. Yeah. Which <laughs> led me to a lean McNeil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Why not? Let's have fun. Let's put our hair down. Bring the balls out. Bring the balls out. If Aleem McNeil leads this team in sacks, something has either gone horribly right or horribly wrong. That's a very good point. (laughs) That's a very good point. But if Aleem McNeil gets like nine sacks, I think the Lions would still be in good hands. Probably. I'm having fun. Let's have fun. Next question. I was going to say the sub question of that is how many sacks is, is Aiden Hutchinson getting? I'm going to say six. Eight and a half. I'll take seven. I'll take, I'll take the middle here. We got to go rapid fire on the rest of these. So who leads the team in tackles for losses? Probably take Hutch. Rodrigo. Do it, Jeremy. Buy the hype. <laughs> To the podcast listeners, Ryan did his best salsing, <laughs> sitting down salsing. It was very bad. It was a little cha-cha. I, you know what? Rodrigo's getting all the attention. Derek Barnes. He has Ooh. he has made a few plays in the preseason. He has. But I, I really do want to say Rodriguez. <laughs> Who leads the team in, in interceptions? Screw it. Jeff Okuda. I knew it. 
I knew it. I like that. I'm I'm going to assume that Amani Oruarie plays CB1. And I know the lines more mostly play sides than really designating a one and a two. But that leaves Okuda maybe on a better matchup and four inter- four interceptions for him this year. I kind of think it's going to be Okuda because I think teams are going to want to throw his way. You know what I mean? Like they're going to want to test him and they're going to, they're going to want to see, and maybe they're going to, maybe a lot of teams are going to test and they're going to mess around and they're going to find out. And you know, that that you don't want to do that. But since I know Jeremy would never, ever predict Amani or to lead the team in interceptions, I'm going to say that he does it. (laughs) All right. It's going off what six last year. Four or five? I don't remember. Something where something, I think it was six. Where will the defense rank in points allowed? They were 31st last year. Twenty-fourth. That was the number that I was thinking, but uh I'm gonna I'm gonna say there's a big Aaron Glenn bump, and I'm gonna say twenty-one. Okay. Okay, I'll take that. There, take I mean, 20. jumping ten spots would be huge for this team. Sure. Yes, it would be. Um, where will the Lions finish in the NFC North? Second. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Let's do it. I told you that Aline McNeil is going to lead this team in sacks. <laughs> I can't fade the, the Vikings like that. I think Cousins will have a better year. I think they're going to end up third. But that's, this is going into my record prediction a little bit too. But you know what? The important thing is, fuck the Bears. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> I'm I'm third too. I'm sorry. I have to be on brand. I think I think the Vikings are better than people give them credit for. I don't even like the fact they have a first year head coach either. This is the this is the year for them to do it and then flame out spectacularly if they make the playoffs. Oh yeah, they're they're gonna just like get slaughtered in, or like lose in some heartbreaking fashion. No, no, no. It is going to be wide right. <laughs> Calling it right now. You can mark you can mark the tape wide right. <laughs> Can we get them to have a double doink too? That'd be great. No, just wide right, Jeremy. That's all I need is wide okay. right. I'll even call the direction. Wide right. Not wide left. <laughs> not not shanked. Nothing. Just wide right. See you in January. What will the Lions record be in 2022? Who dares go first on this one? I'm I feel not like going first. I feel like I've been the prophet of doom here. I'm going to say the Lions double their win total. That's very impressive. So seven. Six, and, six, well, six and a half. Three and a half times two is seven. Is that how math works? <laughs> yeah, seven and seven and ten. <laughs> yeah, I got him to go up one. Let's go. I started thinking about the schedule again. It's seven and ten. I know that's not good enough for for the, the the fans at home, but that would be a huge accomplishment for the Lions with this schedule, with the problems they still have on defense, with the fact that Jared Goff's still under center. Seven wins. This this bleep takes time. This takes time. You're not going to turn it around in just one year. I'm sorry. Hey, who disagrees? He's uh, no, he agrees. He is mad about your seven and ten prediction. But here's the thing. My brain is telling me seven and ten as well. That thing in your chest saying. But this podcast is not just about my brain. Sometimes we let the emotions bleed through, and I'm going eight and nine. It's not that much of a You know what I hate? You know what I hate is that I know his prediction is going to be completely different in the in the written in the written. Oh, it's gonna be seven ten in the written article on Friday. But I'm right here, right now, eight and nine. I'm the one that said this team was gonna win four games last year after they started 0 and five, and I was damn near right. Sometimes you just got to go with your heart rather than your head. Eight and nine almost makes a playoff. Lions are going to have to go nine and eight in order to be second in the division. So <laughs> nine and eight. Yeah, we got a winning record, baby. We're all around 500. We're all around 500. We're all around 500. I'll take we, it. We, we've we're, cornered, we're we've cornered the Jeff Fisher market. I was going to say, <laughs> we we're, we're, we all took basically the over. When I was thinking 6-11, and 11, I was going to take the under, but... Everyone thought Jeff Fisher being the head coach of the Michigan Panthers was going to make them go 5-5. Five and five. 
what really happened is he made the Detroit Lions play fi- 500 football. Unbelievable. Can, can, can we answer one question before we leave real quick? Yes. Based on where all of us are, right? If we're talking 7 and 10, if we're talking, you know, 8 and 9, 9 and 8, is that are are those records enough for the fan base? Is that enough to keep the momentum that's been built from year one to year two going into year three? It's it's hard to predict a fan base, right? And it, it's also going to depend on you know how does a seven and team seven and ten team look? Oh, if they start six and one and they end up seven right. and ten, right? Right? Then the, yeah. yeah, it's going to be a very very different answer. But I think real like. I threw up a question on Pride Detroit today. It was just like, what's the minimum expectation? And my answer is six wins. If they don't get six wins, it's going to be a disappointing season. Anything above that to me is kind of gravy. Um, so, you know, if, if they're seven and nine or seven and 10, eight and eight and nine, nine and eight, like that's all wins in my book. Like that's, that's where this team should be. That shows me that there's po- positive progress, but I can't, I can't tell you that that's how everyone is going to feel. Well, hopefully we'll feel more positive than that very soon. They beat the Eagles. Kool-Aid's on, man. I'll be chugging if they beat Football's the Eagles. Football's here. Football's here. I'm ready for Thursday. And then Sunday thereafter. We made it, guys. I didn't think we'd do it. Before we end this podcast, again, a huge thank you to everyone who's been following us. For those who don't know, we hit over a million downloads before the season even began. We are going to dwarf our 2021 numbers. The unique listener audience is doubled. We have more big news on the way, and we're looking forward to another Movember with you to raise money for a very for very important causes. And we're looking forward to Lions football. This means a lot to me, this, this podcast. For all seven years, I've got to host this with Ryan, with Jeremy. It's effing fun and we get to make this almost a job this is a job at the end of the day on on the side too but it's an incredibly fun job said it well i i don't know how to say it either like there there's some there's a lot of big news coming up on on the horizon and we owe all of it to you guys so thank you all for sticking around through through thick and thin man a lot of thin hopefully we get some thick this year that sounded weird never mind wow Can we leave that? Ryan, that's, how, you, that's how it's ending. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> we'll be thick. That's the new outro. We'll be thick. <laughs> Is that a t-shirt? <laughs>